Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're continuing our series today, God's Rescue Plan. So let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 to 35, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message titled, For This Reason. I've heard all sorts of people say it, people who are Christians, and even those who have no faith at all. They say, you know, there's a reason for everything. And of course, just saying that, well, it's true. Of course, there are those who do say the opposite. They say, you know, everything's random and ultimately nothing is for a reason. You know, that philosophy is called nihilism. And nihilism is the belief that nothing can be known and therefore one should believe nothing. You know, in that worldview, there can be no purpose for our existence. Now, there are people who are nihilists, but the vast majority are not. They're not because, look, we've been created in the image of God, and we look for order, we look for understanding, and we are designed to look for purpose. God made us that way. And hence, because we're in the image of God, most people say there's a reason for things that happen, even the bad things. I've known people who have no faith commitment at all, who have confidently told me that even bad things work together for good. They almost sound like they're quoting Romans 8.28. Now, however, and it's a big however, Romans 8.28 is a promise made only to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But for those who are not called, I mean, it is also true that everything happens for a purpose, yet that purpose might be good or bad. See, in our study of the book of Exodus, we're going to examine the sixth plague, which is the plague of boils, and then the seventh plague, which is the plague of hail. Now, the sixth plague, the one of the boils, that's a short account. But the one of the hail comes with explanations and understandings of what is the ultimate purpose of these plagues. We're going to see everything does happen for a reason, but the reason will shock some of you. Well, let's begin with the first short plague, and it's the boils. I'm reading Exodus 9, 8 to 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over the land of Egypt, and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, I've already mentioned that the first nine plagues come in a series of three groups of three. You know, the first series, that of the plague of blood in the Nile, then the frogs, then the gnats, you know, it has a certain formula. The first plague, Moses meets Pharaoh outside as he's going to the Nile. Second plague, he meets him inside in his residence. Third plague, doesn't seem to meet him anywhere, but simply announces the plague. And that cycle gets repeated now a second time. In the fourth plague, that of the flies at the Nile. Then the fifth, the death of the livestock at his residence. And now the sixth plague, as before, in some public place somewhere where Pharaoh can see Moses and Aaron, and they take handfuls of dust that they've gathered from a kiln and they throw it into the air. I mean, some have suggested this is poetic justice. The Israelites who made mud bricks would have those mud bricks baked in a kiln. It's like telling Pharaoh, you won't get away with cursing Israel. That curse is now coming back to you. Ultimately, this plague of boils breaks out on the magicians. 
This is a mockery of their power. This is their humiliation and ruin. And furthermore, Pharaoh would have used these magicians as advisors. So to the Egyptians, the idea of the magical and the medicinal, well, those are interrelated. But now the magicians are so sick, they aren't available for any future confrontation. As well, all Egypt is sick and suffering. Again, we don't know the exact nature of the boils. I mean, whatever it was, it was painful. And whatever it was, it was a plague that was the worst one Egypt had ever experienced. And that's because for the first time, it was not something repugnant. Rather, it was something affecting their health. This is not livestock dying. This now has the potential to be killing people. This plague is not just painful. It would have given Egypt the sense that their very existence was now under threat. And that leads us to the next, the seventh plague. And as we shall see, this one takes a great deal of space in our Bible. Moses wants to make sure that we learn the theological lessons that are imperative to the readers. So, verses 13 to 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. See, it's early in the morning and we got to assume that as at other times, Pharaoh's gone down to the Nile. That's been the pattern. And Moses meets Pharaoh and just like at the other times, he begins with the same words. The God of the Hebrews demands of you, let my people go. But this time Moses speaking for God has more to say. Words that I think could have caused Pharaoh to shudder. What's about to happen in the seventh plague is that if there had ever been any doubt left, Pharaoh will now have to confront the reality that the God of the Hebrews has no equal. The gods that Pharaoh has trusted in until now, they're shown to be nothing. He's been trusting in lies. Indeed, the entire theological system on which all of Egypt trusted and formed the basis of their culture has now been exposed for what it is. These are impotent gods. Moses is not done. Now, the earlier plagues, the first six of them, were not an example of God's might. They were an example of God's restraint. It would have been nothing for God to have simply given the word, and he would have cut off both Pharaoh and Egypt so that nothing remained. And that leaves us with a question. Why hadn't God done that? I mean, if God wanted his people to be free, why not simply inflict Egypt with one devastating blow, leaving them either all dead or permanently crippled so that they never were able to rise in power again? Why must Moses keep going back to Pharaoh and making demands? Why this delay? So I began by saying that everything happens for a reason. Now, clearly, if that's true, then this, God's restraint on the land of Egypt must have happened for a reason. And I think that most Christians today would simply say, ah, this was to give Egypt and most pointedly Pharaoh time to repent and get right with the one true God. This is mercy. But let's not put our interpretation onto this text. Let's let the text say what it wants to say, or in this case, let's let Moses who wrote this, the prophet of God, let him speak. So look at verse 16. 
The reason God didn't destroy the land of Egypt in one quick blow is the same reason why God raised Pharaoh up. So the phrase raised up must mean raised up to the position of power. So why is it that this man and not another, that this Pharaoh is the Pharaoh of Egypt? Why is it that this man occupies the most powerful position in this part of the world? Why this particular hard-hearted, cruel, and stubborn and willful man? Why him? And the answer is it happened for a reason. And the first reason is that God raised him up. God created him and placed him in that position of power. Now, that truth shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Romans 13 verse 1 says, There is no authority except from God. And then the next verse reminds us that the authorities are those whom God has appointed. And so Pharaoh, like every other ruler in human history, was in his place of authority because God had put him there. And there's more. Pharaoh, this one, whom I think to have been a man named Amenhophis II, was appointed by God to have been the Pharaoh at the time of the plagues. Again, we ask why. Let's also remind ourselves everything happens for a reason, and it's this particular man, because he is a man chosen by God so that God's power would be displayed in his life. That's to say, God ordered this man to witness his display of wrath and to witness the humiliation of his wise men and counselors and also the humiliation of the religious system of gods and goddesses that all Egypt believed in. See, Psalm 96, 3-5 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Yeah, Pharaoh, interestingly enough, was chosen to declare the glory of God among the nations. And notice and compare verse 16 of Exodus 9 with the very next verse, verse 17. You are still exalting yourself against my people. That's interesting. Pharaoh assumed that in resisting the demands Moses was making and surviving the plagues, he would emerge on the other side as a great man. He just didn't know why it was happening. It was happening not to display Pharaoh's greatness. It was to display the greatness and exaltation of the God of Israel. The Back to the Bible Canada Israel experience is a trip like no other, and I'm not the only one who thinks so. A supporter who attended our most recent trip said, listening to Pastor John teach the Bible while looking and breathing the air where the events he speaks about may have actually happened puts doubts of the authenticity of the Bible to rest. So make plans to join an intimate group of spiritual pilgrims this coming spring from April 16th to the 24th, 2023, and consider the optional Jordan extension from April 24th to the 29th. Join us in the Holy Land with on-location teaching from Dr. John Newfeld and wonderful evenings of entertainment with Laugh-Again's Phil Calloway and very special musical guest, Amanda Stott. For more information, the trip itinerary or registration forms, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. To say everything happens for a reason, well, that's true, but it's really not saying that much. 
How easily we deceive ourselves. I mean, many things, everything happens so that in the end, I am exalted. I'll be victorious. I'm going to come out on top. It will go well with me. Pharaoh never dreamt that his rebellion was playing into God's hands and not into his. See, the reality Pharaoh hadn't even imagined is that all of this was about proclaiming the greatness of the one true God. See, later on, Moses would write, Numbers 14.21, The earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Pharaoh would never have imagined he had a part in that agenda. So stop here and take this truth in. Christian people, we are to proclaim the splendor of the Lord wherever we go. We need to support evangelism, mission, tell of the great deeds of our God in whatever forum God provides for us. But let's say that someone, or the better part of the human race, decides, look, I don't want anything to do with that agenda. Well then, God will still use them to display his glory, even if that means that they will display God's glory when they are humiliated and shamed. For to say everything happens for a reason, that isn't saying much yet. We should be saying the reason for everything is so that, in the end, God will proclaim his glory in the creation. That's the reason for everything. Had Pharaoh even begun to grasp that, his mouth would have opened up in shock. But for now, even though Moses tells him he's hardened, he won't listen. So let's keep reading our text. Verse 18, Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, apparently the expression since the founding of Egypt was a very common expression in Egypt. See, the Egyptians thought of themselves and their nation as the first nation, and everyone else came along later. So to say, from the day it was founded was in their minds like saying, you know, from the beginning of time. So Moses is saying, you're about to experience a hailstorm that the world's never seen before. Verses 19, now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. So two things. First, for some of us who wonder how there could have been livestock after the fifth plague, which seemed to have wiped out the livestock, there's an easy answer. That plague wiped out horses, donkeys, camels, and flocks of sheep. It would seem that Egypt still had a great many cattle that were unaffected. And second, for those who wonder about hailstones being so large as killing cattle, well, clearly, if you think that's a problem, you, you haven't lived in the Canadian prairies, where hailstones can easily become the size of golf balls and create not only damage, but can be very dangerous if you're caught out in such a storm. And so Moses, the prophet of God, is being gracious. Everyone better be warned. If you're out in the open, get inside now. Verse 20 and 21, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses, but whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Seems incredible. After the last six plagues, I mean, a great many people are still unconvinced. They simply don't believe no matter what. Now verses 22 to 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out the staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. 
and the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, there was no hail. See, we have to imagine Moses holding the staff in his hand, raising it to heaven, and as he does, the hail begins instantly. It comes down in fury with lightning running along the hail. Animals in the open are all dead. So are the people who didn't come in. Bodies everywhere. You know, I'm told that in 1984, a single hailstorm actually killed 400 people in Germany. But this here in Egypt is worse. So imagine, not only dead animals and people, but the hail would have done great damage to the bodies after they died. And more so, all the plants in the field are destroyed. Trees, there's not one that's not badly damaged. I mean, in one encounter, the entire countryside of Egypt is changed, except for the land of Goshen. Verses 27 and 28. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Now, by now, we who read this text, we shouldn't be fooled anymore. We've heard this kind of language before. And we all know because when we get down to verse 30 of this chapter, we hear Moses telling Pharaoh that he knows that he doesn't fear the Lord God. And Moses by now is a good idea of the kind of man that Pharaoh is. But Pharaoh, for his part, might have been truly terrified by this kind of a display of power. And so he says what he needs to say to get Moses to plead with the Almighty. Notice Pharaoh's words, I have sinned. The Lord is in the right. I'm in the wrong. My people are in the wrong. And then by implication, I will no longer disobey. I will let the people go. And those words, even though they're uttered by a man who's a liar and a hypocrite, are the words we all need to utter if we are to get right with God. See, conversion is exactly what Pharaoh is telling us it is. We say, I have sinned. My ways are wicked. God's ways are righteous. I will bend my knee before the one true God. I will submit to all that he tells me to do. That's called repentance. And what follows is unreservedly throwing ourselves onto the mercy of God. And then we will find that the cross of Christ is the only place where mercy is to be found. Pharaoh is glorifying God by explaining what we must all do. But of course, Pharaoh doesn't do it. He's a hypocrite. Verses 29 and 30, Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. See, Moses adds that piece about knowing that Pharaoh doesn't fear God so that it will be clear between these two men. The only reason the hail will stop is because God has more plagues so that in the end, the humiliation of Pharaoh and the suffering that follows will glorify God. It'll happen for a reason. Verses 31 and 32. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. Now, if you wonder why that little paragraph, why that little detail, well, because all farmers in history who have ever gone through a hail damage want to know what's left. The other detail is that flax and barley was harvested in February to March. So that gives us an understanding of the time of the year in which that occurred. And it also tells us that Egypt wasn't yet in full famine. But it was clear that they were going to have food shortages. Those were the repercussions. So let's read now to the end, Exodus 9, 33 to 35. 
So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hand to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. See, I do appreciate that last line. Just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. That is to say, Pharaoh is not acting in a surprising way. He watches as the land is ruined and as many people died out in the fields. You know, he's at a loss. And in his desperation, he tells us today what God requires of all of us as we encounter God. And then when Moses dramatically demonstrates that both the horrible storm as well as its sudden cessation is from God, and Pharaoh both in his horrible sham of repentance and his complete turnaround shortly thereafter demonstrates afresh, as if we didn't already know what kind of a man he actually is. And all of this happens for a reason. This is what's being communicated to us. Listen, believer, remind yourself of Romans 8:28. For those of us who do love God and are called according to his purpose, there all things happen for good. But Psalm 46, 6-7 says, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Yeah, God does allow the nations to rage. But we are not to fear. For those of us who find joy and pleasure in this thought, that God will glorify himself, we have nothing to fear. But if we don't want the glory of God, know this, God will glorify himself regardless of what we want. And if we don't want the glory of God, we will find ourselves as enemies of God. And then also we will find everything happens for a reason. Thanks so much, John. You know, I think it's true to say that we're the beneficiaries of God's goodness and grace. But in the end, it's really not about us, is it? It's about God's glory. Yeah, you know, this is the thing that we should take from reading Exodus. Oh, yeah, God's glory results in the deliverance of his people. So let's recognize where God's glory happens. Those of us who call Jesus Lord are benefited. But in the end, our eyes need to be on the splendor of our God and the great fame of his name, what he has accomplished. Uh, And we need to proclaim God, and we need to proclaim what a great God he is. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series God's Rescue Plan right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. Would you like to receive all of the latest Back to the Bible Canada, Laugh Again and In Doubt, Bible teaching and encouragement resources directly to your inbox every Monday to Friday? then be sure to sign up for the free daily audio mail. Every day you'll receive an email containing links to all the daily Bible teaching programs, newest blogs, and all the audio and video messages from Back to the Bible Canada, Laugh Again, and In Doubt. Once you sign up, all the newest from Dr. John and Phil will be one click away. So to subscribe for audio mail, visit backtothebible.ca, and at the bottom of the page, you'll find a simple sign-up form. Now all your favorite resources will be sent to you every weekday. Or if you prefer, just give us a call at 1-800-663-2425 and we'll make sure you receive the next Back to the Bible Canada audio mail.